Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, and hello to Eric Crema, and he has a segment called Spotlight on Success. I really enjoyed your interview last week, and I want to hear what you have for us today. Who are we going to be talking to? Well, thank you, Paul. I enjoy being here as well. I love this show, and uh, the segment is Spotlight on Success. And I have Mike Broderick. He's with Evergreen Home Loans. Evergreen Home Loans uh, does not only mortgages, but also reverse mortgages, and that's sort of his specialty. So we're going to talk about, in a very low-key but informative fashion, what are reverse mortgages? Are they right for you? Is it even something to consider? I think when you hear Mike, you'll learn that he is just one of these gentlemen that is uh, all about his profession in terms of being as professional as possible and making sure that the product or service is right for you before even sort of signing on the dotted line. I love working with people like that because it's integrity that lasts a long time, regardless of the business. I think you know that, Paul. Of course. Yeah. And also, I have a lot of questions on reverse mortgages. You may remember I had the show Voices of Experience back on in the 1990s. We had a reverse mortgage individual who talked about that, but then it's changed significantly since then. So this is going to be a good segment. How about you, Paul? Who are you interviewing? I got three guests today. Michael Kotman will be up first, and he's the author of a book called Segregated Skies. It's about the first African-American commercial airline pilot in the United States that occurred in 1964 when American Airlines hired David Harris. It's gone on from there, kind of opened up the path for a lot of other black pilots to follow. So that's a fascinating interview I had with Michael Cutman. Pollster Stu Elway will be my second guest, and uh, he's got his latest Elway poll out. We interview... Stu, about four times a year, he's basically asking for the attitudes of Washington voters. And it's shifting all the time, and it is shifting once again. A little bit of a spoiler alert that we are more divided today than we were yesterday. So he's going to talk about some of the reasons why coming up later in this hour. And finally, Como, AM1000. I think many of you know they're going through a call letter change. It will become KNWN starting uh, Wednesday, February 2nd. So Como has a lot of memories in this town, and uh, it was the call letters for 95 years. And a lot of people are, are kind of feeling the pain there. And it's Shirley Tom, who worked at Como from 1972 to the late 1990s, will talk about what it means to her in this shift. So stay tuned for that. When a flock of geese knocked out two engines on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 right after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, who would you want in the cockpit? Captain Sully or a pilot on their maiden flight? If Captain Sully was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Way back in 1964, during the height of the civil rights movement, black men didn't fly commercial jets. That was about to change. And Michael J. Kotman, who is an award-winning journalist and author, wrote a book called Segregated Skies. He is currently program editor of the NBC Universal News Group, diversity, equity, and inclusion team, and also for NBC News, MSNBC, and CNBC. So let's get to my interview with Michael Kotman. 
who was the author of the book, again, Segregated Skies. Why did you make this connection to want to tell the story of uh, David Harris? A couple of years ago, I was in Atlanta uh, visiting some friends and family. And while I was there, I decided to pick up the phone and to reach out to a, a dear friend who I haven't spoken to for a while and just wanted to catch up. Her name is Lynn May, who's in the book, former uh, PBS uh, uh, commentator host, just a wonderful woman. We began to talk, and she asked me just a simple question. Have you heard of David Harris? And I said, no. I said, should I tell me about him? And so she says that he's just a very accomplished man. He became the first uh, black pilot to be hired by a major commercial airline in America and happens to be my ex-husband. And I said, really? I said, no, I didn't, didn't know. I said, he sounds incredible. And she says, well, you know, maybe it's a magazine story for you, you know, or something. But she says, and if it's not, that's fine, too. But uh, I'd like to give you his number. If you'd like to give him a call and just chat with him, because I think it's great for just you two guys just to meet and just two good people connecting. That's what she said. And I said, fine. You know me. I love talking to folks. And he sounds like an interesting person. I'll call him. So I, I give him a call. And I figured we'd talk for you know, 10, 15 minutes. We talked for over two hours. And he told me this fascinating stories about his journey as an aviator, former military, trained in B-52 bombers, his experiences at American Airlines, the, the racial discrimination that he experienced. And I thought to myself, this is, a, this is an incredible story. And nobody knows who David Harris is. The people need to know who David Harris is. So I called Lynn and thanked her, first of all. And then I called my agent and then called my editor at National Geographic, shared uh, the stories. I took notes when I'm talking to David, uh, shared my notes with her. And she didn't bat an eye. And she just said, oh, God, this is the book. Now, we're all pretty much familiar with the Rosa Parks story. When she was riding in a bus in 1955, she refused to give her seat up to a white man. And a lot of people say this was the beginning of the modern-day civil rights movement. I guess I'm surprised that on this scale, it was in the sky, but it sure had a big impact on the future of aviation. And like anything else, it was a major boost to the civil rights movement. I guess I'm just surprised I haven't heard this story before. Don't be surprised because I hadn't either. You hit on an interesting point, which is there are multitudes, right, of, of, of uplifting and inspirational stories of ordinary people rising to extraordinary heights that we don't know about. And David Harris is one of them. And I'm hoping that this, this book, I'm hoping that adults read this book as well. The one thing I also wanted to ask, was he like the first one, an African-American, to try to become a pilot in a commercial jet, or were there other people no. before him? One of the things that David talked about a lot is uh, giving praise to the um, Tuskegee Airmen, the black combat fighting group in the 1940s and World War II who, who fought for our country. He talks often about some of the Tuskegee Airmen should have been the first black pilots, but uh, they weren't afforded that opportunity because of racism. So some of them didn't didn't apply, uh, like you just mentioned, because they figured they're not going to hire me anyway. Uh, there were some other black pilots before David probably did apply for jobs and just didn't get it. Uh, and David was rejected by uh, everybody until he got to American Airlines. So th th this was a tough time for a, a, a black man, black men, to try to break into corporate America. And American Airlines is, is, is a corporation. It's a really fascinating story because I thought he was just so courageous. And he had had this conversation with Lynn before. So this wasn't a decision he made in a vacuum. You know, they, they discussed it. And so um, because he's, he's, proud, he's proud of his legacy and proud of his heritage. And so he said to his surprise, <laughs> the recruiter looks at him and says, well, I don't care if you're black, white, or chartreuse. Can you fly an airplane? And David says, well, yeah, I can, I can fly a plane. And so he gets, he gets hired. So I, I talked to David about this, and Lynn, and it, what I deduced was you, you got to take your hat off to David, I mean, for you know, having the courage to do it. But also you have to take your hat to American Airlines for hiring him. This recruiter didn't have to hire him, and they took, he took a chance. Uh, when he, he left the military, he was a, a trained uh, pilot in the B-52 bombers. It was a big deal back then. There weren't a lot of black men trained you know, to fly B-52 bombers. And so when he left the military, he was highly skilled, highly skilled in aviation. So he, David had a swagger. He, be, he believed that he could be a successful pilot in commercial airlines because of his skills. And so he was confident. And he wasn't going to let any, anything stand in his way. Not racism, discrimination, nothing. I and mean, he really so trying to keep my eye on the prize. Well, there's obviously some downsides and uh, struggles with uh, going about with what he did on a, on a personal level. What are some of those? 
David was uh, ostracized. He wasn't um, considered part of the, you know, part of the club, if you will. Uh, early on, he was called the, the N-word. This, uh, this is not in the um, American Airlines, but I mean, early on in ROTC and in the back of his mind, instead of fighting, he thought about kids like people like Emmett Till, 14-year-old boy who was murdered in 1955 in the South. David was in the South going through early uh, military training, Florida. And uh, he said that those thoughts went through his mind. So when people were calling him the N-word and saying ugly things to him, he thought, well, I could be killed too. I could I could be murdered, um, like Emmett Till. He showed, and I think it's a life lesson, maybe for the for young people in the book as well, David showed considerable restraint. Certainly, he must have really, and I think I gleaned this from your book, is that he was a big admirer of Martin Luther King. He, w- he was, and um, and he was very upset about the uh, um, the pilot we flew with, who um, he was landing at National Airport in 1968, I believe, and um, a co-pilot who was white said some disparaging things about Martin Luther King in the cockpit while David's landing. And as a matter of fact, went a step further and talked about how he was okay with Martin Luther King's assassination. Oh, great. And so, you know, here's David, first of all, just trying to land a plane, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, looking at fires off to the left of his um, left wing, and the, there was civil uh, unrest going on in Washington, D.C. at the time. And here's this white pilot espousing these um, hateful words about about Martin Luther King and, and, and black people. And so he's thinking, he told me what, what to do. For, the first thing to do is to land a plane safely. And then what do I do after I land? You know, do I grab him? Do I shout at him? What, you know, he said, all these thoughts were going through my head. But what he didn't do, and what I, what I, I think, to me, David's an American hero. He didn't paint everybody with a broad brush. So the next co-pilot he got, keep in mind, I, I, it, it was decades, years before he ever had a you know a black co-pilot. All his co-pilots were white. But he opened up to them, and 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 guess what? Then the remainder of them, most of them, ninety-nine percent were fine. It was just that that one guy, really, mm-hmm. um, with Americans. So, um, so some people would have right had closed up, or maybe not have been open. Uh, minded, um, still angry, you know, and I'm not saying he doesn't carry anger and, and, and hurt, but but he didn't let it show. Yeah, I guess uh, one of the things that he practiced was what Martin Luther King preached. Yeah, nonviolent social change. And, and uh, um, did it by I, example. I, I, absolutely. It's a fascinating book, and it is directed towards kids, right? That's correct, 9 to 12. But I'm hoping it for you as well. <laughs> I tell you, it, I, I enjoyed thoroughly flipping through it as an adult. Anything else about uh, David or anything else you'd like to share before we go? Yeah, I, I do have one last story I'll share just to really uplift me. I, and I do want to say this, and I think you already, you, you've alluded to this, and I, I really appreciate you for that, that the book does have some, um, a few harsh stories uh, that, that but young people should learn um, about overcoming adversity. And even though, you know, they won't experience the same things, obviously, that David's experience, we all have obstacles in life. We all have to find ways to get around those obstacles and overcome adversity and to remain positive. And David didn't quit. Didn't quit, kept his eyes on the prize. And I think one life lesson is just never give up on your dreams and, and your goals. And uh, just to illustrate quickly about David as a person, so maybe you can get a, a, a kind of a word picture of the kind of individual that he is. He told me a story uh, once about uh, getting ready to take off, I think, from Dallas. And a, a flight attendant comes into the cockpit and tells David that there's a, um, a woman in the back of the main cabin uh, who uh, was on her way to, I think, some kind of family event. And she had to be there fast, um, couldn't drive, really need to fly, but it's terrified, terrified of flying, just terrified. And so, um, so you know, she has told David, you know, so... David said he left the cockpit, went in the back, and talked to her, and just told her a little bit about the redundant safety features of the aircraft that keeps the aircraft safe and keeps you safe and passengers safe. And so he talked to her. He said she felt a little more comfortable, a little more at ease. And then he took a step further. He says, well, why don't you just come on with me and follow me? And he takes her to the cockpit and shows her the instruments. Right, and talks to her about what this button does and what that button does and the flip does, you know, and, and, and why this airplane is safe and you shouldn't worry. Long story short, takes her back to her seat. Um, she has a wonderful flight. She's fine. But I thought about that. She tells me that story, and I just it said so much about him. I mean, number one, who does that? <laughs> what pilots are taking time out 
you know, to walk to the back to bring passengers into the cockpit to talk to them about safety when when he knows um, that she she's uh, afraid of flying. So he, he's a compassionate man, compassionate pilot, likes to put people at ease and wants people to have pleasant experiences on his aircraft. You probably had so much empathy from what he has gone through or had gone through, you know, in, in the service and, and then trying to become a commercial airline pilot and just get along with life. All the hate and the vitriol that he probably had to take during the period of time, he probably had, as I said, a lot of sympathy for people and who was fearful, not of other people, but that airplane. Exactly. Exactly. And um, even though, you know, all the things that he's experienced and been through, he's, he's, he's not bitter. He's just a very, very positive, uh, uplifting person. And again, an inspiration for me and a role model now for me as well. Have you been approached about uh, maybe making this into a movie? <laughs> this would be a great so, story. So many, so many people have asked me about the movie aspect. And all I can tell you is yeah, there are some discussions about it for sure. Good. But, uh, but, um, but thank, thanks for asking that question. My thanks to Michael Cotman, and he is the author of Segregated Skies. If you would like to get a copy of the book, all you need to do is Google Michael Cotman dash Segregated Skies, and it will take you right to the page where you can order a copy. And again, as we talked about, it is primarily focused for children between 9 and 12 years old. But I think it's a great read no matter what age you are. There are two minutes to go in the big game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are down by a touchdown. With the game on the line, who would you rather see to come in to play quarterback? A rookie quarterback who'd never played in a big game? Or a six-time winner of the big game? If a six-time winner was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome to this edition of Spotlight on Success. I'm Eric Krima. In studio with me, I'm happy to have Mike Broderick. He's a loan officer with Evergreen Home Loans. We're going to talk about reverse mortgages. For a lot of people, including myself, it's a bit of a mystery. And so I've interviewed Mike in the past, and he's enlightened me a lot about what it is. and And I hope he'll do the same for you. So, Mike, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Appreciate you coming in the studio. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started in reverse mortgages. Let's see. I was just doing this last night. I got into mortgages in 1990, and then a customer of mine in 1996 asked if I knew anything about reverse mortgages, which I didn't. So upon investigating it for three days, I found out that uh, FHA had a reverse mortgage program that they had started just a couple of years before that. They were trying it out to see if it was popular, if there'd be any advantage to doing it Mm -hmm. under the guise of the FHA program. And so in 96, I started doing my first one. I was actually doing both forward and reverse. And then I started doing so much reverse mortgage business that I dropped doing forwards. And so I've been doing them ever since. So what are we, about 26 years of doing reverse mortgages only. So they've been around a while. Yeah, and the FHA one is the predominant reverse mortgage that we do. Explain 
how it works, how essentially a reverse mortgage works. A reverse mortgage is very similar to a regular forward mortgage in that it is a mortgage and there's a lien on your home. The only big difference is that on a reverse mortgage, we are advancing money based upon the equity that a customer has built up in their home. The money can be uh, utilized either in the form of a line of credit, a monthly check, or a cash-out option, or all three. This reverse mortgage does not require a monthly principal and interest payment. This, that's a big advantage of this over a regular mortgage, which does require a monthly payment. So our reverse mortgages basically enables a customer to tap into the equity they built in over the years in their mm-hmm. home. And thank God we're in an environment mm-hmm. where the home values are going up all the time and equity is building. That's just what I was thinking as you're talking. I'm thinking, wow, there's probably a lot of people in that boat in terms of the equity, at least, in their home here in the Pacific Northwest. This is such a hot market. I imagine that's what that what you experience when you talk to customers. Well, that drives it a lot. So when we do a reverse, uh, this is like any other mortgage. This is a refinance and we have to pay off the existing mortgage. Okay. And then the money that's left over can then be utilized as a line of credit or a monthly check. Most of my customers will call up because they want to stay in their home and secondarily, they want to pay off the mortgage that they have right now and it's escape from making that principal and interest payment that is required on a regular mortgage. Um, And if there is money left over from that, then they can sit on the line of credit, which is what I recommended, and use it as they want. Well, these times, they are changing, aren't they? I mean, it used to be the mindset was, well, maybe you stayed with a younger child that you know, that uh, you raised and now you're needing some assistance. Maybe you moved in with them in a mother-in-law apartment or something like that, or you just went to an assisted living. Now a lot of people uh, are are looking at staying home more. And there's complete businesses that have been built around that, you know, in-home services to help them stay in their homes. Sounds like this is maybe just yet another thing that sort of assists with that. The primary user of our reverse is a person who does want to stay in their home. Got it. That's the prime motivation uh, other than paying off their mortgage. So if they want to stay in the home, they want to pay off their mortgage so they can increase their cash flow. But we discuss that and, and the other options, such as moving in with their kids. But nobody really wants to move in <laughs> with their kids. And the kids don't really want them to either. And they, they just lose this sense of independence and uh, and um that they have by living in their own home. And of course, there are customers who have no problem downsizing or moving into an apartment, but the reverse mortgage borrower wants to stay in their home. Oftentimes, they've lived there for a number of years, and they identify with the community that they're in, and and they want to retain their independence. Well, and you know what you have. It's like the known, right? Your house, you know where all the problems are. Right. You probably fixed them at this point. Right. Um, And you're comfortable. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes to move either. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to move from my home. I've lived in it for a number of years, and I'm, God, I just dread the thought of trying to <laughs> clean up the home for a move. So another interesting uh, reason to get a reverse mortgage is to make improvements on the home that have been delayed. I see. So our, our typical customer is definitely over 62 because that's the minimum age for the FHA one, although it's a little lower for a proprietary one. But people have been delaying fixing up their homes. And so they can use that uh, reverse mortgage proceeds to fix up the home, make improvements that are long overdue in some cases. Now, I, I think the biggest issue in people's minds, other than just not knowing the mechanics of how it works, is they may have heard from other people in their, in their family or friends at work, I don't think those are safe. I, you know, those are kind of a scary thing. How do you combat that when people call up and say, well, I hear they're just not safe? That is a question that comes up all the time, and I'll bring it up if the customer doesn't. And and so we want to discuss whether it is safe or not. It is a safe loan. It is an FHA, Mm government-insured, reverse mortgage. And there's a lot of hoops that a customer has to go through in order to get a reverse mortgage. One is they have to have independent counseling. And we have a long discussion myself with our customers, and our intent is to get all the information out to them that they need to know and to answer all the questions that they have 
uh, developed over the years. And if they have heard from other people negative comments about a reverse, I certainly want to hear that and tell them whether it's true or not. The, neg- the negatives about a reverse mortgage is that you have a negative amortizing loan. You have a mortgage balance that's increasing every month and every year as you go by. And that needs to be paid off at mm-hmm. some time down the road when the customer either uh, sells a home or passes away. As far as it being a, an unsafe loan, it is not. It's probably, truthfully, one of the safest loans that I, that I have done because there are so many agencies overlooking this loan and making sure that it's done properly and making sure that the customer knows exactly what they're getting into. So uh, I actually <laughs> am amazed how much oversight there is on this mm-hmm. loan in comparison to a regular loan regular forward yeah, that's loan. interesting and, and you're also coming from a place of strength uh, which is the equity in the home it's right. it's not uh, I remember the first mortgage I, I, I got as a, a young married man I, I, I was just about trembling you know signing the documents because right. it just seems right. so much money and uh, yeah, oh my gosh I'm cemented into this and, right. and I've got to make these payments or apparently they're gonna take my house is what they tell me you know that right. kind of thing so um, it, this is a little bit different than that. I mean, you're coming from, again, that position of strength. Right. So on a reverse mortgage, the, there are certain standards that a customer has to live with. One is it is an owner-occupied loan. So as long as the home is their primary residence, then they're safe. They safe from you know losing the loan. Sure. They have to also pay their own property taxes, homeowners insurance, and HOA dues and maintain the home as any mortgage lender would want you to do. So uh, there have been cases of foreclosure on a reverse mortgage, but a lot of that was due to the estate not doing anything Mm. uh, to pay back the loan after the death of the borrower. There was a non-borrowing spouse issue that has been addressed. That was a major problem. Uh, we can get into that at a later date, but that has been taken care of. The non-borrowing spouse can now stay in the home even after the death of the, her husband, usually, who was the borrower. And, uh, and so, there again, there are guidelines that have to be adhered to, as in all mortgages. Uh, one of the problems I hear customers uh, talking about all the time is, who gets the home after I move out or after my death? Right. And, and so uh, for some reason, a lot of people thought that the bank was, or the lender was going to get the home. And that's never been the case. The lender just expects the loan to be paid off one way or the other. Okay. Usually it's taken care of by the executor of the estate. So the home goes to the estate upon the death of the borrower. The uh, executive of this state will put the home up for sale usually and pay off the debt and keep what's left over. The requirement on a reverse mortgage is to only pay off the mortgage balance. It never goes to the lender at all unless in the case of uh, a situation where the home doesn't sell for enough to pay off the mortgage balance. The uh, estate may say, I can't even sell the home for enough to pay off the mortgage balance. Now what do I do? And then the estate can do a deed in lieu of foreclosure and sign the home over to the servicing department and say, you take care of it, and I'll take all the personal possessions out of it. So another thing that customers need to know is that this is a non-recourse loan in which the money used to pay off the reverse mortgage comes from the value of the home or the sale of the home. None of the personal assets that are part of the estate ever have to be liquidated to pay off the mortgage I see. There's not that connection there. I'm looking at the time. I can't believe it. We're already done with this. And this happens every time I see you. Uh, One of these days, we're going to do a two-hour show or something. That's good. (laughs) uh, Let's end at this because uh, there's going to be still, of course, more questions from the audience. And they want to learn more about your your background and how long you've been doing it and see if you can help them. Or maybe tell them it's not right for you. Um, How about a phone number? Let's start with that. You can call me on my cell phone number, which is always by my side, and that phone number is 425-698-9889. Oh, that's an interesting number, 425-698-9889, and that's Mike Broderick, loan officer with Evergreen Home Loans. Thanks so much, Mike, for spending time with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's get right back to the program, Voices of Experience. 
I'm sure that many of you have heard about the uh, new call letters that KOMOAM1000 will be relinquishing or it will be retired this week and it will become KNWNAM. To many of our newcomers, it's probably not that big a deal. But if you've been living in this area for any length of time and you were listening to Como back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even now, it kind of tugs at the heart because uh, it's been around for 95 years. It has such a great history carrying Sonic Basketball with the great broadcaster Bob Blackburn. I know of an individual who worked at KOMO for many years, and I wanted to visit with her about her thoughts on what is occurring now. Her name is Shirley Tom, not only a very good friend, but what an incredible history she has in this city. Shirley, just give us some background of uh, when you entered KOMO AM1000. I understand that you ended up being like the first saleswoman ever in the history of that yes. station. Yes. And at that time, there were only two or three women in our whole region that were in sales. Yeah, I went to Ourswald's Accounting and Secretarial School, and that's how I st- got jobs. The classic thing is my younger daughter, when she was five, and she says, Mom, I, can I take piano lessons? And I was a single mom, and I said, well, I'll see about that. She says, well, we don't have a piano, and I said, I know. <laughs> and then I figured out if I'm going to buy my daughter a piano, I better get a better-paying job who around here makes money? And they said, the salespeople. And my thought immediately was, they don't seem to have any particular talent. How come they're making so much money? I read the article this week, obviously, of the change in identification from Como AM1000 now to KNWN. My heart sank a bit because I have a long history here. Certainly, I never worked for Como, but it was definitely a station that I felt was really Seattle-centric. It was just one of those Absolutely. stations. It's been here for 95 years. I want to ask yeah. you, how did you feel when you heard that the call letters were going to be retired and um, now it was going to be a new station identification? I felt sick at heart. I keep in touch with a lot of people that I worked with there, and we all are just, we can't believe it, because the Como identification was, you're in Como country. Another thing that we advertised was, Como keeps you company. We weren't just a radio station, if there is such a thing. We kept people company. Yeah, I certainly feel that way as a listener. I was long before I considered going into radio for myself, but I was always tuned to Como, particularly in the 1970s after I graduated from college. And I remember um, Larry Nelson in the morning. He was just every day waking up with him. Tell us a little bit about Larry Nelson. Oh, he was amazing. And you know, a lot of people wanted him to voice their ads and stuff like that, and he would not do it until he met the person in person or met the client in person and had some conversations. He wouldn't pump up just anything or anybody. He, he had to believe that, that they were good people. That's great. That sounds like uh, you would think he would be. Another individual yes. that um, I met and when I was director of the Alzheimer's Association of Puget Sound, we had what was called the Puget Sound Chowder Cook-Off, and it was in like the... 1980s, early 90s. You probably heard of it then because you were there at the time. And um, we approached Norm Gregory to be our MC, and he was that for seven years, and he was such a talent in radio. I was so thrilled to meet him because I was such a fan. He was at KJR, and he came to Como, but uh, he was such a delightful person. Well, you were lucky because he was a little bit, always a little bit shy about showing up in person. But, you know, he would suck it up and do it. So good for you. I mean, wow. not he, he didn't do that for just anybody. <laughs> ah, did not know that. That's uh, interesting. I was just thinking in the article I read in the Seattle Times about this is that they were saying about the old timers, like you and me, I guess, because this has impact. But if you just moved here, it probably doesn't. So I'm just going to say to give it some relevancy maybe that if you've come up from L.A. or the Bay Area, Chicago or New York, just imagine that if you were living in L.A., that all of a sudden KNX went away, those call letters. Oh, yeah. Or in Chicago, yeah. WBBM, or New York, WINS, or San Francisco, KGO. Oh, yeah. That's on the scale of what I believe has that- happened here in Seattle. Oh, exactly. It's just 
Como keeps you company. And how do you say it? K-N, what is it? K-N-W. I had to write it down, so I'm, I did a cheat sheet. It's a K-N-W-N, which isn't too bad, but it's not Como. I mean, we can't do that. No. I'm going to just want to have you tell one more story, but I want to give one real quick one. I moved to L.A. in 1970, and I was a huge Sonics fan. And remember... As you know, Shirley, that oh, was the yeah. only game in town then. We didn't have exactly. the Seahawks oh, or yeah. we didn't have the Mariners. But I was right. just such a huge fan. And I was going to school there and someone said about Como. I go, what about it? That's a Seattle station. He said, you know, you can hear Como at night because of the yep. signal down here in oh. L.A. I said, you're kidding me. Yep. So I went home oh, yeah. and that night I turned on the uh, station. It oh. was, you know, there was a lot of interference. But I could listen to Bob Blackburn and the Seattle Supersonics from L.A. Yes, yes. We actually had listeners, nighttime listeners, in Finland. It, it, it was amazing, the power of our signal. We must have had amazing engineers. <laughs> Your name came to mind immediately when I heard about the oh, change so of the uh, letter call letters for this station. Shirley, any more quick memories before we leave you today? We went to Wimbledon because uh, Bill Swartz, who was our sports guy, loved tennis. And I was the one that put us up to these things because they would always say, can you sell it? And I said, yep. And they said, then, then we'll do it. And we did things no one even thought of doing. Bill Swartz is now working again at KOMO. We just had something special going on. And, uh, well, radio special anyway because it's so personable. My thanks to Shirley Tom for spending time with us today. What a true Voices of Experience Shirley Tom is. There are two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded. The Seattle Mariners trail the L.A. Dodgers by three runs in Game 7 of the World Series. Who would you rather see step up to the plate? Mitch Hanniger or a promising but yet untested player just called up from the minors? If Mitch Hanniger is your choice, that means experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Stuart Elway of the Crosscut Elway Poll has joined us once again. The Crosscut Elway Poll is released approximately four times a year, and we really have Stu on the show pretty much four times a year because it's always interesting to find out what Washington voters are thinking. So today, Stu talks about the latest poll and what is on the voters' minds People are feeling better about their personal situation right now, but not about their community where they live, the state, in this case, Washington, or the country. But you also say that is not that unusual. Right. It, we, this is a series of questions that we've asked for 30 years. This is the, this is the 30th anniversary of the first Elway poll. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Uh, seems like only yesterday. What was notable this time while uh, we had 58% say things were getting better for their household, that is lower than it was six months ago. And six months ago, it was lower than it was a year ago. And it is at its lowest point since the summer of 2011. And Democrats and independents are more optimistic than the Republicans. Right, right. Just generally Um, what it is. Yeah, 
And and if the Republicans were in power, that would probably shift. When Trump was president, the Democrats thought that the country was going to hell. When Biden's in power, the Republicans think. And the top concerns, this is number one position since 2014, is the economy and particularly inflation. Basically, that shows up for people in the grocery store and the gas line. You interviewed someone up north. I can't remember the town, but it was someone in the construction business. And they said, essentially, they could build three homes a year. And now they're down to one because of supply issues. We asked people later in the survey whether the economy had actually impacted them and 50% said yes. People had noticed that there were there were fewer items, uh, some items that they, they couldn't get or had to wait longer for. COVID is not as big a concern as it was this time last year. It's down like 30 points. Did I read that right? Last year, uh, at this same time, uh, over half of the people in an open-ended question volunteered COVID uh, or the, uh, the pandemic as the number one issue. That was the first time in 10 years that any issue had, had topped uh, 50%. This year, about half that same number, 23%, mentioned COVID. Live with it. It doesn't seem quite the crisis it was last year. This Omicron uh, wave uh, seems less scary to people, although it's it's more contagious and and but less deadly, it seems. Yeah, um, great choices we're living with. Yeah, yeah. And then the third issue was homelessness, which popped up uh, to 21%. Uh, and that was up from uh, only 13% last year. So those, those are the three big issues that people okay. want the legislature to be looking at. Something I saw, too, is that uh, gun control in the state, I imagine what the, uh, the poll was about or the question, and that would be, high-capacity guns, and what surprised me again is not the people who were in favor of limiting high-capacity guns, but 44% oppose that. Right. And to me, again, this is gun control. It's been around forever. I have actually, after Sandy Hook, I always said to myself, if something doesn't happen here, it never will. And so I'm still in that mode of thinking. So I'm not optimistic, and I sometimes even know why I asked the question. But I do ask the question in the sense that 44% oppose high magazine AK-47s. I know I'm ranting here a little bit, but I just find it just almost impossible to think that people believe that. Well, I don't think people do believe that. I think what's happened is the gun control issue, like so many in our country right now, have become so polarized the ban on high-capacity magazines was supported by 94% of the Democrats in our poll, and it was opposed by 87% of the Republicans. So nine out of 10 in each party took their party's side. Well, we've gotten to a point where many of these issues are not about the issues themselves. They're about, uh, about opposing the other tribe. And if Democrats... Uh, support this, then I'm going to oppose it, and vice versa. It doesn't matter what the issue is. It rarely matters what the issue is, and it, it, almost everything's become polarized. I think I, I think I could get a party difference right now if I did a poll on whether it's raining outside. It's just sort of the state of our politics. And then, of course, the other thing we've known for a long time about and watched as the gun control issue has evolved in the public debate is that the proponents of gun rights think that any law that does anything to restrict any gun uh, right is the first step on the slippery slope. I think and, the, uh, yes, the NRA has been very effective in making that case over the years. Yeah, and I think it's the, the, the gun rights people are totally bought in on that approach. Anything else, Stu, that you uh, glean from this poll perhaps that we should be aware of? We asked a couple of questions. Party identification, which uh, in this state, as you know, is 
not required. So you get to change it all the time. It's more of an attitude than an identity for a lot of people. What I ask question is, if uh, you had to register by party, would you register as a Democrat or Republican or an independent? The Democrats have had a double-digit advantage in that question for the last several years. But this in this poll, it was closer than it has been uh, since 2017, and that was 36% said they would register as a Democrat, 29 as a Republican, 35% as independent. So that's a seven-point edge, which over the 30 years I've been doing this is right about the average over, over 30 years. But as I say, the Democrats have been up in the double digits, uh, mid, you know, mid-teens for the last several years. So that that closed up. As things stand today, and it's you know, 11 months till the election, would you be inclined to vote for Patty Murray to return to the U.S. Senate, or would you be inclined to vote for a Republican opponent this time? The answer was 42% would vote for Murray, 39% vote for a Republican to replace her. So she has a three-point lead against an unnamed generic Republican challenger. We asked, how are you inclined to vote for state legislature, 42% said they were inclined to vote for Democrats, and 39% said they were inclined to vote for Republicans. Two years ago, in this same at this same time, in January of 2020, heading into the last midterms, the, Repub- the Democrats had a 17-point advantage in this question, and this year they have a three-point advantage. Seems to fall in line with the national narrative right now that the Democrats are heading for a bad year. Sometimes it's easier to be running against nobody. I mean, maybe if the nominee were Culp or something like that against Patty Murray, that may change the dynamics of that a lot. But uh, also, he's got to concede the last election, I think, before he runs for the next one. I don't know. I don't know if that's a requirement or not. But I, I do know that six years ago, we did the same thing. And in fact, uh, Patty Murray did less well against the generic Republican than she did against her actual opponent, who was Chris Vance. Wow. She, she did better against the named Republican than the imaginary Republican. So that you're right about that. Yeah. Fun and games to continue as we go oh, forward, yeah. but that's uh, really interesting information as usual. Um, I don't know whether to feel good about it or... Just like, okay, this is kind of where we're at. And I think that a a lot of what uh, you're you're talking about, 90% of each side or close to that, no matter what the issue is, if it's the other parties for it, I'm against it. And I don't know if we've ever approached that, at least in modern history. I mean, it could have happened years ago. But that's probably, to me, the most concerning revelation of of your poll this time and other times, these trends. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're really uh, stuck in a highly partisan environment, and it's not clear how this fever breaks. My thanks is to Elway of the Crosscut Elway Poll. And uh, if you want to actually read more in depth of the poll results, just Google Crosscut-Elway Poll. Oh, and congratulations to Stu for 30 years of conducting polls in Washington State. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Eric, what a wonderful interview with Mike today. I really learned a lot about reverse mortgages. I had a lot of questions myself. I mentioned earlier that I used to cover reverse mortgages back in the 1990s. And Mm -hmm. again, I knew it had changed a lot and I found out some new information. And I think a lot of people did because simply mortgages are going up. So this is even more timely. Absolutely. And it's a confusing subject for a lot of people, reverse mortgages. I was glad to have Mike on and I'm super excited to have my next guest next week, Ben Nelson. He's director of business development there with the Tacoma Rainiers. And Tacoma Rainiers, of course, your part owner over the last 12 months, thanks to you and others there, been able to take in a few games and get to know the organization. Just so impressed with what a family-friendly organization it is and how they aspire to make wonderful entertainment in the South End for everybody, um, but particularly baseball fans. So I'm looking forward to that interview. How about you? Well, it is a great story, Eric, and I'm glad to be involved and I'm glad you did this independently and and you're kind of searching and finding out what a special 
place Tacoma is and how it's really revival and coming up in tremendous ways. And of course, the Tacoma Rainiers are a major part of that. I'm going to have Dr. James Collier. He's a physician at Modern Dermatology and he does skin care. And I'm going to talk about the types of skin care and also about, let's say you have some doubts about how often you should be checked for, let's say, skin cancer or things like that. And what's the difference there? So it's going to be our health and fitness part of the show next week. And he is one of the most astute, smartest persons I've ever met on this subject. He's actually my doctor. So I asked him when I went last time, would you be on our show? And he said, certainly. So he's going to be talking about that next week. Awesome. And of course, we have the one hit wonder next week. One other thing I just got added in the last hour, going to be talking to someone from Patriotic Millionaires. Now, this is counterintuitive because this is an organization of millionaires who want to pay higher taxes. So that's going to be interesting. Okay. Just want to let the audience know that any comments that what you heard today, you can call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. Just keep your comments short if you would. Thanks to Eric Crema, special contributor, along with executive producers, Steve Mills and Benny Mathers. Quote of the week, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's true character, give him power. Abraham Lincoln. And finally, remember, experience is our best teacher. You just received some startling news. You're going to need brain surgery. But the doctor also says your prospects for total recovery are excellent. The doctor is very confident with his prognosis. He's performed hundreds of similar surgeries during his career. Who would you choose, this doctor or another doctor who's never performed this type of surgery? If the doctor who's performed similar surgeries is your choice, then experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. If you or a loved one has diabetes, health care can be time-consuming and costly. The good news is your Medicare benefits can help. Here are some tips from the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging and United Healthcare. Know your numbers. Medicare covers blood glucose monitors and test strips. Take care of your eyes. Medicare covers vision screenings for people with diabetes. Get moving. Some Medicare Advantage plans include a gym membership. To learn more about healthy aging, visit your local area agency on aging or medicaremadeclear.com.